Well, good evening. Rest of you, good evening. Good to see you all this evening. Glad you're here. It's a nice looking crowd down here on the front row with the exception of one. Uh, Actually, I wasn't referring to you. Well, maybe I was too. I don't know. I, it, it's a, it's was wonderful to see young folks in church on a on a first night of revival. Amen. Amen. That's uh, uh, something you've forgotten since this morning. Uh, that was a pitiful attempt at amens. I've I've been in in Presbyterian churches and Episcopal churches that said a heartier amen to something like that than what you just did. So we're really going to need to be revived this week, Brother Jake. I don't know if you realize it, but we've got our work cut out for us. Yeah, I'm getting amens from Brother Jake. I knew it would. Let me, uh, let me try to begin like, like this. There's a man years ago whose name was William Carey. He was an English Baptist missionary. And he once said this famous quote, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. Now, I quoted it exactly the way that he said it. But that quote could have been better because I think it's backwards. I think that it better reads, attempt great things from God, and then expect great things from God. That's what I think it should read. But I, I, I wonder if there are not many tonight who think that somehow attempting something bigger than themselves is a, almost a lost cause. I think we're a declining breed. Those people who believe in the miraculous I was thinking just a while ago when y'all were singing so good there that somewhere in this building, all around us, I suspect, there are things that you can't see. Uh, you can believe what you want. You've got a right to be wrong. Amen? But I happen to believe that there are angels in this place tonight. I, I believe that you can't see them. I don't think that they're going to make themselves so evident to you, but it's amazing to me that we go about what we do sometimes without ever considering that we're not alone. Now, when we, when we do things in this flesh, many times we behave as if we are alone. That it's in our strength that we're going to do something. We're going to get together and together we can do all things. And you know what? That's a, a pretty good mantra. But nonetheless, uh, it kind of leaves out something very, very important. You see, God is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And, and God expects us to be spiritual beings. We were created in his image, in his likeness. Spiritual beings created spiritual beings. So we are in a spiritual uh, war, if you might. Uh, it, it, at every moment of our lives, we're, we're in a battle. And even though we can't see the angels that are here, and perhaps a few demons run around, I don't know about that, but... Just because we can't see them does not mean that they're not here. And because we depend upon ourselves, we've become churches that really don't believe a lot in miracles. Oh, if you see somebody healed or something like that, you say, yeah, I believe that was a miracle. 
But friend, let me, let me tell you about miraculous power tonight. The church still has access to miraculous power from God. The only reason that we don't see it today is we haven't learned how to receive it today. And I'll, I'll try further to explain it like this. The life of a Christian ought to be anything but dull or routine. God never expected you and I to live our spiritual lives void of, uh, of things that were exciting. He didn't want us to have a life of repetition, but he wanted us to attempt things on a regular basis that shows that we're living for him and depending upon him instead of for ourselves. Now, somehow or other, we have to be able to identify things and attempt them that is certainly bigger than us, but we have to depend upon the power of God and not our own selves. We've tried for years, Brother Jake, to have revival in churches. I've been in lots of churches through the years, and, and I've seen great attempts made. I, I, I've, I've seen great preachers brought and, and great singing groups and all that sort of thing, all kinds of advertising and every gimmick, gimmick that you can imagine. Man, we used to have certain nights for every night of revival. We'd pack a pew one night and, and you know, anything we could do to get some more people there. How many of you remember those days? But you know what? That, those were good in and of themselves, but... That's not really what God ever had in mind. You know what God has in mind for revival? He, he has in mind that his church get to a point to where they begin to believe that miracles still do happen and God is just waiting to pour out his blessings upon a group of people who will believe. You say, I do believe. Now, I don't want to argue with you tonight. I'm not telling you you don't believe, but I am going to tell you this. There's, there's, there's certainly a, a difference in, in a, a definition of what it means to believe. I believe that God can do anything God has ever done before. How many of you believe he can still do anything he ever did before? Now, now watch, watch this. Watch, it's going to get tough. How many of you believe that he's going to raise the dead tonight? But he has already done that. You just said you believe God can do anything he's ever done before, right? Do, do, you, do you believe it's possible for a, a person to walk on the water? Without one of those boards, by the way. Uh, you know what, maybe it is, I don't know, but you don't ever see it anymore. Here's why, you don't see it attempted anymore. You say, are you telling me, Brother John, you think people can still walk on water? You know what, if God has done it in the past and allowed it to be done by a human in the past, it can still be done tonight. Anything that he's ever done, including raise the dead, heal the sick, take, take a, the, the blind and give them sight, anything that God has ever put his hand to, he is still capable of doing that very thing this night. How many of you really do believe that? Some of you are looking at me like a calf at a new gate. Uh, do you really believe what I just told you? I had a conversation just recently with someone about miracles. Some have happened around here. You may not be aware of them. You probably never will be aware of them, but I can tell you for sure that miracles have happened. Now, there are some folks that I guess you might say have an undue satisfaction with the status quo. Why rock the boat? We might get disappointed. Well, let me tell you something. If all that you ever do is call someone like me to come and preach to you, 
and, and you have great music and go through all of this. And boy, I love seeing you all here. This is an awesome Sunday night crowd. I'm glad you're here, but listen to me. If that's all you do, revival, true revival, you'll never see. Because that's not what it's about. True revival is when something takes place in God's people that empowers them to the place that they are a lot like the apostles were and they'd see miracles happen as they went about spreading the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. If our Lord was here today to talk to us in person, I think somehow or other he would convey to, the, to us the very same message that he gave to those apostles. He had... He had decided that they should go out just like he had sent them and they were going to see great, great miracles. How many of you remember reading that in the Bible? They went, it happened. But now listen to this, friend. There are things that God has shown us just so that we will see power, just so we'll see miracles and still believe in them. No other practical reason except to get you to believe that God is a miraculous God. Now, before I confuse you too much, let me share something with you. I have, as many of you know, spent a, a long portion of an entire year once totally paralyzed from the neck down, quadriplegic, told I would never move again, told I likely wouldn't live. And I, I want you to know that was 40 some odd years ago when I'm still here. You can, you can believe what you wish about that. That's up to you. But I'm telling you that God is still a miraculous God. I've got more fixtures inside of me than, than a, 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 a teenager with a, a whole bunch of, of, of costume jewelry. Friend, I got it. It's just not on the outside. It's on the inside. I've got a watchman device that keeps me from supposedly having a stroke or a heart attack. Neat little old thing. It only took one surgery. Just went in there and stuck that thing in a little old place on the side of my heart. Little addendum, they call it. And, and uh, let my skin grow over it. Give me a whole bunch of tubes down the throat. And later on said, you're good to go, man, go. Not too long ago, they put a whole bunch of plumbing in me. I got plumbing. I got French drain in me. <laughs> you, you all know what French drain is? You think I'm kidding, but it literally is French drain. It's small, but it's what it is. All wrapped up around my belly and everything. I'm not fat. I'm just full of tubing. Amen. <laughs> you all right, son? <laughs> Somewhere up in here, there's a, there's a, a pacemaker that, uh, that keeps me beaten, you know? Uh, I, I could go on. I could name some more things. But let's just say that I'm not supposed to be standing here tonight. And sometimes you can look at a miracle and can't figure it out. You don't know what it is. Some of you think I'm just an old, ugly man. And by the way, I pretty much fit that description. But I have news for you. I'm one blessed old, ugly man, that's for sure. I'm here because God keeps me on my feet. I'm still able to preach like I do because God allows me to. He, the, the voice that you hear, somebody said today, your voice is still strong, as old as you are. You know what, friend? That's not me using that voice. That's God's voice I'm using, amen? Learned a long time ago I can operate a lot better in God's power than I ever could in my own power, and I want to convince you tonight that that is the exact way to revival. The exact way is to see God start doing things that cannot be explained in your life. Some of you are looking at me like, I don't know if I want that or not. What would that even look like? 
Well, I know what it looked like when the apostles were on the earth, amen. I, I, I can remember reading about, uh, especially Peter walking down the street in his shadow, passing over people and they get healed and jump up and they fine. Wow, that's pretty cool, amen. Think about that. Think about this when you go back and you come to church on Sunday and Jake says, what did you see this week? Man, we saw the lame get healed and jumped up to their feet and the blind can see again. And Man, the dead are raised to life. And Wow, this is a great God we've got. And most of you are saying that would be too much excitement. My heart just would not take it. And you're probably right. As long as you're seeing everything through these human eyes. But if you'll look with me tonight and see that all around me and all around you, there's a warfare going on, and I know the winners. The winners are those of us who have the power of God resting upon us. God will take care of us. Jesus once was walking along with some fellows who were kind of hesitant a little bit about believing in the miracles. Came upon a tree, a fig tree. I used to didn't have any idea what a fig tree looked like. I've got three of them in my backyard now. I think I've got two figs in two years. But nonetheless, they're out there. There's figs. And, and it's not a great big old thing. A bush oh, this high, and I guess if you let it keep growing, it'd get pretty big, but, but you've got to cut them back in order to get the figs. And so they never get really, really tall. Jesus saw that tree, and here's our account. It's in Mark chapter 11, verse 12 through 14. And this is what it says. And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree far off having leaves, he came, if happily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. Now I want you to look at those next eight words. For the time of figs was not yet. You don't get figs until figs come on the branches. Figs don't grow like other fruit does. Literally, they don't run on a branch that goes out a long way from the tree and then you see the fruit. Instead, in every little notch, every little limb that's there, just like it's a, a, a little fork like this and a little bitty fruit comes out right there out of that fork. And there's only a certain time that those figs come on. You can look until you're blue in the face. You'll never see them until it's the time of figs. Now listen to this. And Jesus answered and said unto it, verse 14, No man eat fruit of you hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. Now that tree was an unthinking Void of all will or decision object. But the text is plain. It was not time for fig trees to be on the fig trees. Figs to be on the fig trees. Get that right in a minute. Jesus cursed the tree and said you'll never produce fruit again. Was it because he hated figs trees? No. Could he have had some reason tied to physical hunger? Oh no. Listen. His answer to both questions were resounding. No, that's not why I'm doing it. You may not hear it, but you look at verse 20 of that same passage in Mark. 
And it says, and in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, said to him, Master, behold, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. And Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. For truly I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says will come to pass, he shall have whatsoever. What is that word again? What does it say in your Bible? Whatever, whatsoever. That's pretty much the same thing, right? Whatever. He says, are we missing something? Let's go one more verse with me. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you will receive them and you shall have them. Now I know a lot of Baptist preachers like to get that out of the book but you can't take it out. God is a miraculous God. And he operates in the spiritual realm. But we want to approach him from simply the physical side. And in order to do so spiritually, you have to have enough faith to believe that God is going to do something. You say, Brother John, is this going to be one of those name it and claim it kind of things? No. If it had to been, I'd have been trying to get money from you already. That's not, not it at all. Jesus look, looked at that tree and he wanted to make a point to his disciples. He wanted them to know that they could have the power and assistance to do anything that they would attempt to do without doubt. We limit God so much today and think that somehow in our own strength we'll be able to do it. Now most of you can already tell where I'm going with this. We've built a, a large building here years ago or you all have and happened before I got here and God has shown this church many times how easy it is to fill up a building you can do that you you were almost full in here this morning in the second service and there were quite a few folks here in the first service that weren't here for the second one so it, it's easy to do that you can fill up a building but you're not going to see miraculous power until you believe that miraculous power is waiting for you to access it now, I'm getting some strange looks right now, Jake, and one of them's from you. I don't know what the deal is. <laughs> from here on, I believe that we ought to have the faith and ability to believe God in spite of obvious conditions, and that will determine how much we expand his kingdom. We are not going to be able to operate in the physical sense entirely and somehow or other defeat all of that wave that's coming against the church. And believe me, if you haven't checked it out yet, you need to. It is coming. It's on the way. As a matter of fact, it's already knocked and the door has been opened. Let me go a step further now, please. We got to see things with our eyes of faith. See the things that he's really put before us. What would God do if we had the faith to believe it? Just believe it. Not too awfully long ago, there was a young couple that came into my office in, there in Birch Tree, Missouri. And uh, I could recall in this church, in the church prior to this church that I pastored a number of times, where 
young folks who were told they could not have children had children. I can take you and let you see some of them tonight. I mean, as a matter of fact, I was doing a, a little bit of a meeting in another church and I looked and there was the product of those prayers and he was taking up the offering. He's not supposed to be here. But you know why he's here? He's here because of a prayer of faith. This little couple came into my office and they had been told because he had had such tremendous amounts of chemotherapy. It had uh, a, a huge mass that had to be taken out of his chest and uh, really they thought he was going to die. And they told him that he could, he could never have children. That, that, were just, that was out from there on. And uh, he met this little girl and married her and they were, they were happy, really happy. And then all of a sudden she got to wanting a child so badly. And uh, so they came in and, and I talked to them about the options that were out there, adoption and different things. Again, acting in the physical, you know, tell them, yeah, yeah, this is the way you do things. And then all of a sudden, the Lord just sort of gigged me a little bit. You know what I mean when I say gigged me? It felt like somebody had taken a frog gig and gouged me in the ribs and said, hey, hey, I'm still here. And so I said, you know what, the, the, the Bible's pretty plain. If we believe, we can receive. If we can conceive it, we can receive it. And they said, yeah, it does say that, but this is, they say this is impossible. I said, that's where God likes to start. Amen. He likes to start when somebody says this is not possible to do. They went ahead and adopted a little girl, a drug baby. They love that baby. That baby right now is probably, oh, I don't know, she's a year and a half, two years old. Not too awful long ago, I got a text. Her name is Allie, Allie May Harper. And Allie texted me and said this. She said, Brother John, I'm reminded today of a prayer prayed in your office that God would do the impossible and cause a baby to be in my womb from my husband. And I'm here to tell you today that we have a child on the way. I want you to know, friend, that, makes, that gives me cold chills to this day to know that God can confound the wise. God can take in th something that looks impossible and make it possible because he is God. We are so dependent upon our own strength and what we can do in our strength that we forget that God has not changed. He's the same today as he's ever been. All he's waiting on are a people who will say, I believe that God is ready to do it again. So here are the steps to miracle faith. How many of you like to have miracle faith? I hope you do because revival is not possible without it. Listen to this. First of all, you must conceive. I've already mentioned it. This is what I call the desire to, to conspire. Are you listening? The desire to conspire. It is to work together with God. You must have a desire to say, God, I believe and according to your word, you say, if I believe, then you're going to act. And so we're going to get together, God, and cause something to happen right here. You say, you can't make God do something he doesn't want to do. But I can tell you this, you're right at that point. But he's also said that he is, he, he's, he's not limiting you to anything if you have faith and do not doubt. Well, this means that you should search for what God wants done with the desire to do it for him. We need to examine what we encounter for the possibilities that are presented. There's a lot of miracles that could happen 
if you and I just really believed it and started out and believing God for that miracle, and I, I guarantee you we would see things happening tonight like you, you could not imagine if we just could believe. I parked my car one time down the road from a big old oak tree. There was a limb that hung out over the road a little ways. And uh, I had just read this passage, uh, the fig tree. And I, I thought, I'm going to test it. And I sat right there in the car and looked at that limb and said, fall. In the name of Jesus, fall out of that tree, limb. And you think I'm kidding, but I, I'm not kidding at all. I mean, I got, I got pretty hostile with that limb. I want you all to know that limb is probably still up there. <laughs> Somehow or other, it did not fall. And you say, well, whose fault is that? Is that your fault, preacher? It has to be my fault. It cannot be God's fault. Amen? It just may be that God didn't want it to happen right then and there. You know, one of these days that limb will fall. Amen? But it'll fall in God's time. And sometimes miracles happen in God's time and because they don't happen on our time, we don't see them as a miracle. But I got news for you. God can do anything that he desires to do anytime he wants to and you cannot put limitations on him. Right there is evidence. That man used to come in and sit right back there just behind a little bit where Tony's sitting right now. And the first three Sundays he was here, I want you to know he was like a rabbit. I would call on someone to pray, bow my head and listen to the prayer just a little bit and look up and Jake was gone. Don't you hum and haw at me, son. I'm telling the truth. So one day I fooled him. I started walking that way. I had everybody bow their head and I started walking that way. By the time I called on somebody to pray, I was almost at the back door. I was waiting on him at the door. He said, I, I, I just don't want to hang around. What it was, he didn't want to be here. He, he was made up his mind he wasn't going to be here. Am I telling it right so far, Jake? Yeah. Now listen to this. He used to sit back there and every once in a while start to listen to me and I got to talk to him. And so one day I said to him, son, why don't you get to know somebody here? You might like this place. Oh, I'd, what, you mean mingle around with people? I said, yeah. <laughs> no, I can't do that. No. I said, listen, let's, let's start out. You remember this? Start out small. I just want you to go meet one person that you don't know, Jake. One person this Sunday. Just walk up to him and say, hi, I'm Jake Gray. What's your name? Oh, oh. You'll, you'll think he's pretty suave right now, right? <laughs> I got news for you. That boy was scared to death. I ain't lying. No. Finally went up to him and said, Jake, try to. You can't believe the process we went through. Until finally, I couldn't find him. He's all over the place. Ask him to preach. He did pretty good. He did. I don't know how many of you were here for that, but he did pretty good. I, I recall very well many of you were in the altar when he preached the very first time. There were tears being shed. People can tell already there was something, something unusual right here. But this is a guy who was sitting back there and it didn't want to talk to the preacher, didn't want to shake my hand, did not want to be in any way challenged, and yet, all of a sudden, he's getting this draw. One day I asked him to come see me at my house. We sat on my back porch on the deck. 
looked down on the, on the lake and it wasn't fishing day for Brzezinski. He wasn't out there. It was just nice and calm. And uh, I said, Jake, what would you think if I told you I believe you're the next pastor for this church? And you should have heard him. If you'd have put an apple in his mouth, it would have disappeared in one swallow. It was like, oh, no, no, no. Listen, you don't know resistance like I know resistance. But there he sits 10 years later after I left here. There he sits after taking the church that I left here and more than doubling the size of it after I was gone. I'm here to tell you that's a miracle right there. God can take somebody who is as cantankerous as he was and make out of him a great man of God and a great preacher of the gospel and that is evidence for you of a, of a, a real miracle right there before your eyes. Guess what? He can do that with any of you he chooses to. He can change you. He can change your mind, change your attitude, change your perspective. All you have to do is believe that it's possible for God to be able to do it. But let me tell you what our problem is. We only see the obvious. And if all we see is the obvious, we don't have any need to involve God. Hello? We can handle this job all by ourselves. Let me give you something else. Not only should you have a desire to conspire, but you ought to supersize what you visualize. You got this imagination? Go and tell me you don't have imagination. I know you do. Whatever it is that you can conceive of, don't leave it that size. Supersize it. You say, well, I don't want to test God. I don't want to be all the time putting out a fleece and, and, and doing this and doing that just to test God. I'm not telling you to do that. What I'm telling you to do is just supersize your, your ability to visualize and you'll find out that when your mind's eye sees something to do for God and you'll see it much bigger than what it is, you'll find out that God often does the bigger things and not the things that you saw to start with. Now, it's likely that the mind will first conceive what it thinks is possible to do. Can I say that again? Because I don't think you got it. We are used to thinking in possibilities. Not impossibilities, but thinking in possibilities. It's possible so I can think it. What we have to do is change to begin to dwell on things that are impossible. For man, but the Bible says nothing is impossible with God, does it not? Amen. And you're behind on those tonight again. A dead minister friend of mine once told me, and we were riding to seminary many years ago, and he said, you know, I've done something here in, uh, this, this month. He said, I'm two days into it. And I said, what's that? His name was Hal Curtis. He said, I'll tell you what I've done. He said, I have, I've told God that for a month, I'm not going to go home at night until I've won at least one person to the Lord. It's a 30-day month. I'd have chose February. <laughs> but struck out to do that, and I said, Hal, man, I, I, I admire your, your grit, but 
Do you think God would have just accepted once a week you could win somebody to the Lord? Or maybe once a month, 12 times a year you win somebody to the Lord. That'd be a big deal, wouldn't it? But how would you like to have a church full of people to win them just one a month for a whole year? He said, no, I think I'm going to stick with it. I'd, I'd see him every Monday. He was in class with me on every Monday. And I'd say, how, how's it going? Still got it. Still got it. Call me for a revival right toward the end of that. He had people waiting to be baptized like you would not believe. Literally went out for a month every day and won someone to the Lord. Wouldn't go home at night until it had been accomplished. I said, man, that's awesome. He said, no, it's not. If I'd have had faith, I'd have said a year, you know. And you know what? That's the, we look at the possibilities. We try to downsize things instead of supersizing things. You know why many of us never win anybody to the Lord? It's because we never try to win anybody to the Lord. We look at that and say, you know what? It's almost impossible to win that person. I got news for you. That's what they used to say about me. That's what they used to say about Jacob. You guys have got a real pension for, for taking misfits and making preachers out of them. Amen? They used to think that sort of thing all the time. But you know what? God's able to do anything if we just believe him and set out and, and say, you know what? The bottom line is I'm going to get this done because I believe God. And God's word says he can do anything. You trust him and, and you'll see revival, I guarantee you. The first step to conceive. The second step is to believe. You got to see it first, then you have to believe it. In Mark chapter 11, verse 22, says, watch this. And Jesus answering said unto them, have faith in God. For truly, I say unto you, that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he has said will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you will receive them and you shall have them. Can you make that say anything but what it just said? Don't try. Don't go looking for some strange version of the Bible that'll, that'll give you some other take on this. It, it said exactly what it means in the language, eh? The original, that's what it says. Believe that you'll receive it and you'll have it. And you say, man, Brother John, that's for them Pentecostals. You know, Brother Jake, it would not hurt for Baptists to get some Pentecostal faith. Amen? You do not have to jump chairs in church. Or, or flip or flop or do anything else to please God. But I can tell you one thing. They don't lack in faith. And I believe sometimes Baptists just do not believe the way that they need to believe. Listen to me. The definition of believe and faith are very simple definitions. Word is very careful in, in, in making sure that we got two different things here. One is pisteo, and it means this. It means by implication, one's spiritual well-being to commit to trust or put in trust with. That is belief. Commit to trust. Pistis, the word for faith. It means this, from persuasion. That is credence, moral conviction of religious truth. Friend, you've got to believe it if you're ever going to see it. And 
the details of belief, it's right there in the Bible in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. You don't see them tonight, but I'm being propped up right now. You don't see them tonight, but there's angels around me. You say, well, are you special? No, they're around you too. And if I read my Bible correctly, you've got lots of them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And Satan does not have the army God's got. God has sent somebody to watch over you. You believe that. That is essential for you to have miracles happen. It is to expect or confide to have things because of trust. And what you truly expect of God, you really will receive from God. You have to have belief, not in what your eyes have perceived, but what is only conceived in the spirit within you. Have you ever began to visualize something and then started to believe this could happen? Well, let me tell you what, friend, when that takes place, the next step and the last step is to receive. You won't receive without first conceiving and believing. Not everything that is visualized is realized. Here's why. We left out what was in the middle. Did you hear what I said? Let's go a little further here. John 3, 26. They came into John and said to him, Rabbi, he that was with you beyond the Jordan... To whom you bear witness, behold, the same baptizes, and all men come to him. And then John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. God wants you to receive what he has to offer you. But it can only happen if God decides that it will. Now, I want you to, to really turn it up a notch and listen very carefully I'm almost done. That's a miracle. Visualization. I can't say that word. Visualization without communication only produces frustration. Prayer is essential to receiving what the mind has conceived. If you conceive something and you want to receive that, you need to start praying the prayer of faith for that. I don't know for sure how many, but somewhere around 10 or 11 people are on this earth today because of a prayer of faith between their parents and myself and sometimes someone else in the room who knelt and said the impossible is going to be conquered. A child is going to be born to this family. And I've watched them begin to, to shake their heads and, and, and almost in, in disbelief, and yet they had children. Friend, let me tell you something. There's more to miracles than ch children being born to people who are not able to conceive. There's people in this room right now, I, I don't know much about many of you, you've changed in a year, but I can tell you this, I can tell you there's people in this room who at one time have had a heart as black as coal. who have had minds that took you to places that a child of God 
God's mind should never travel to. There's people in this room tonight that have done different things that they should, they should never have done and they cannot believe that they ever did it. But nonetheless, there are folks like that in this room tonight. You say, how can you be sure? I know a little bit about the human problem. We all have a sin nature. It's our nature to sin. Amen? We need to learn to say, but for the grace of God, there go I. Be careful about pointing your finger at someone. Be real careful. There are folks that have been visiting at our church and there are folks that don't, don't look the part. I'll put it that way. And uh, we do background checks and the background checks came back bad for the lady and, and incomplete on the guy. And so I met with my security team and I said, now here's the deal. I said, uh, these folks are not going to be allowed to work around the kids and, and I want you to make sure that especially this gentleman does not go where kids are going in our church. I don't want you to bother him. Just want him to have company when he goes to the bathroom. And immediately, the leader of the team said, well, what we ought to do is just tell him to get out of here. Uh-uh. Don't you ever do that. Don't you ever become judge and jury and executioner like that. God can change somebody. God can save somebody that's not saved right now. You know, the, the unsaved can do anything that they put their heart and mind to because with the same kind of, of, of uh, not the exact same kind, but, the, but uh, it, barring power from their leader, they're, they're able to do just about anything. They do some of the most wicked acts that you could ever imagine and somehow it not affect them, but they can get under the, the blood of Christ, get under the power of preaching, and all of a sudden, change completely takes place. I wouldn't want to be the person that stood before God someday and have God say, why did you run this person away? I sent them to you so they could get saved. Why did you run them away? Now, I can tell some of you are looking at me like, I don't know, Brother John, this is a stretch. Hmm? No, it's not. You show me any place in the Bible where it's a stretch. I challenge you. It's not there. We all are faulted. The only way that those faults can ever be overcome is to believe you can overcome them. You'll receive what you're looking for when you believe it in faith. Listen to James chapter 4 verse 2. You lust and have not. You kill and desire to have and you cannot obtain. You fight and war yet you have not because you ask not. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your own lust. Now listen to this. Seeking the will of God, not our own desires, will gain God's attention. And God knows the difference there. Now the last point I want to make for you tonight is this. Real joy comes from knowing we have pleased our God. I don't think that it causes God to stand up and applaud when we do what our eyes can conceive and what we believe that we can do in our human strength. I don't think that God's going to cheer for that. But I do believe that you get God's attention when you start to do something that only God can do. 
That, my friend, is miraculous power. If you can do it yourself, and you've got that in mind, I can do this myself, God will let you do it. But you will not see great results from it. You'll see great results when you start to see it in your mind's eye. And you say, I believe, God, I believe you can do this. Then you better hold your hands out. You're getting ready to get showers of blessings when you approach it just that way. Real joy comes from that. Now listen to this. John 16, 22. And you now therefore have sorrow, but I'll see you again and your heart will rejoice and your joy no man can take from you. And in that day you will ask me nothing. Truly, truly, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. No, Brother John, you mean those other people. No, no, no. I mean you. Thank you. Right on time. That Make a, a amen or out of that person, whoever that was. Amen. Listen. When our intentions and our desires are about pleasing ourselves, we can expect nothing lasting or fulfilling. But when God is the subject of our desires, our joy is made full. We haven't truly received something until it becomes permanent. If we can conceive, we can receive. If only, we can first believe. Three short verses, and then I'll ask you to stand. John chapter 20, verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. The word's very plain, receive. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you'll be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. 1 John 3, 22. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep the commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. You know what? That is as plain as the nose on anybody's face. You have to believe to receive. But you can be assured. The word says it. You can believe it. Now I'm going to ask you some simple questions and, uh, I, and I'll ask you to come tonight. This sounds like a, a redundant uh, thing to ask because I've asked it here and I've asked it everywhere. How many of you would really want to be a part of something that's not just bigger than yourselves, people do that sometimes by getting numbers. But things that only God could accomplish. How, how many of you would like to be a part of what only God can bring about? Would you like to be like that? Would you, would you like to see things that no one can explain? They can explain these kids right here. You all have done a great job bringing these kids and, and especially getting them down front like this. Doesn't hurt that you got a gorilla leading them, you know, and scared to death. But anyway, uh, th those are things you can do. There's so many different things you can do in your own power. But you've heard me say this before. I can train a monkey to be a good Baptist church member. 
You can, you can train a monkey with, to, to take a little cup and go around and take up the offering. You can even train them to sit there and be quiet. You can even get them not to mess on the, the seats. Now, sometimes you can't do that with Baptists, but you can with a monkey, all right? There's, there, you, can, you can take a monkey, teach them how to be a good church member, Brother Jake. They'll even be happy to see the pastor. But that's not what we need. That's, that's not what should be our goal. Not to be doing things that only someone like us can do. We need to be attempting things that only God can do. How many things are out there that only God can do? Let me ask you this question right now. How many of you know somebody who you love, you care about, who is lost? Can I see your hands tonight if you know somebody who's lost and you care about them? Look at this. Do you know if we brought half of those people to the Lord this, this, this coming week, you'd lead this convention in baptism this year here in Illinois. Just from the hands that went up right here. But many times we don't even consider it anymore. You know why? Because we tried and we failed. You should have been here for the second service today or, yeah, second one. Just keep on going. But you, so you certainly ought to realize that, that that's something that, that takes the power of God. Get God on your side and go out there and start talking to those people. I guarantee you, you'll see results. You may not be like my friend Hal and, and see 30 people saved in 30 days. I, I don't know if anybody else has ever done that. But I can tell you this. You can see some miraculous results if you go believing in Jesus' name. I want us to have revival this week. I really considered how to do this, how to do three messages today that led themselves into the rest of this week calling on, on God's church to be revived. And to be revived means to trust in the power of God and to believe that God can still do miracles. Anybody here know somebody who's very sick? I'm talking about they're, they're maybe on their deathbed. Some, some have been told they don't have long. Anybody know anybody like that? I know some people like that. I can't believe it. I'm the only one, me and this one brother right here, that knows somebody who's very, very sick. Is anybody else in this room very, very sick tonight? Healthy bunch. Well, we've got a couple here. Yeah, okay, now, now include yourself. Sure you do. Do we believe God can do that? Do we believe God can do those sort of things? If we believe that, what can we expect? We can receive that. And that's not a name it and claim it statement. That's a Bible statement. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to have revival. I, I, this is not a wine deal, not at all. I, not even the travel conditions yesterday. I'm not whining. But I, I drove six hours not because I, I was just thrilled to see Jake again. I taught him to eat pie. I know all about him. Not entirely, but I know a lot about him. I, it, as much as I love some of you, it, it wasn't just to come see you. I promise you. It took great effort. You said to drive six hours? Yeah. Try it sometime at 77 plus. It's not the easiest thing you ever did. I can drive it real good. It's just getting out of the car and moving after I get where I'm going. Amen. No, I came because I really do want to see revival. I'm supposed to be having dialysis right now. My kidneys have totally failed. 
I'm a little bit sick because of it. And they talked to me about starting it, and I said, no, no, no. I may only have one left in me, and I'm going to a place that I really do believe has the opportunity to see God do some things that nobody would believe could happen. And I'm not going to start it until that revival is over because I do want God to work here. And I'm going to ask you tonight, if you know somebody who's lost, if you're lost yourself, if you've got needs that, that so far you just have not had the faith to believe totally without doubt that God is going to do this thing, I'm going to ask you tonight to find yourself a place in these altars and begin to beg God in this manner. Hey, God, we want to see real revival. We're talking about miraculous power revival. God, send it down. Send it down so we cannot claim a bit of it. People will look and say, that had to be God. Amen? So that's my invitation to you tonight. Always I'll start this way. Bow your heads, close your eyes, please. No one looking around. For just one moment tonight, let me ask you, do you know for sure that if you left this world this night, you would go to heaven. You're sure of it. If you left tonight, God called your number. Heaven would be your destination. If you're not sure of that, I want to pray for you. I will not come to you, will not embarrass you. You have my word. All I'll do is pray for you. There were two folks that raised their hands here today. I have not told anybody who they were and I have not any intentions of going to them later on. You have my word. You can remain anonymous. If that is you, right where you're sitting now, would you allow me to pray for you by simply raising your hand so I can see it and include you in these prayers? Brother John, include me. I'm not sure that I'm saved. I'm not sure I'd go to heaven if I died. Pray for me. Is there anyone here tonight that's like that? Brother Jake, I don't see a hand anywhere in the building. But now let me ask you, is there anyone here that could sure use a dose of miraculous power and the friends and family that you've got, whether it's a, a physical need or whether it, it is a need for salvation or a change in their lives? If, if, if that is you, I don't want you to raise your hands. I just want you to stand very quickly all over this place and start toward an altar and say, God, we do believe. You said if we believe, we receive. We do believe. Would you come tonight? Some are coming already. Everybody's standing. And would you please come to this altar and talk to God about it? Today, as you have been listening to this sermon, maybe you have been thinking, the Holy Spirit's been working, that I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'm not sure if I've ever been saved please reach out and contact us. We would love to share the gospel with you, pray with you with whatever's going on in your life. Or maybe you are a believer, but yet you've got some spiritual battles that you've just not been able to conquer. We'd love to join you in that battle. So please reach out to us. We would love and are waiting to hear from you. May God richly bless you in Jesus' name.